you for joining us as we elevate the Black entrepreneur experience by interviewing CEOs, thought leaders, innovative thinkers, and Black entrepreneurs across the globe. I'm your host, Dr. Frances Richards. Our next guest is a wife, a mompreneur, pastor, facilitator, and world changer. She is the CEO of a Latino-owned interpreting and translation firm. Welcome, Shirley X. Moore. Hello, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Richards. I've given our audience such a brief bio. Why don't you fill in the gaps and share with our audience what you want them to know about you and your company? I would just say that me, I am a mom and a wife before I'm anything else. And aside from that, I'm an you know, I've owned an interpreting and translation firm for the past five and a half years here in Rhode Island. Um, the smallest state. Um, and I have been interpreting since I was six years old. So I have well over 30 years of experience in the industry. About how important it is for interpreting or interpreting and translation in 2022. Question, Shirley. I apologize. I I could not get off on my unmute. <laughs> um, That's okay. Yeah. So interpreting in in it's you know it's been super necessary at all times. But I think as we begin to think more with a more of an equitable lens, we're starting to realize that there's an even greater need, and that there are things that we were taking for granted or or moments that we were taking for granted, for example, using family members to interpret um, or to translate documents um, for patients or clients, whereas in, in folks, you know, we're not able to share the fullness of their story or their complete perspective um, because we were using uh, folks that weren't professional. And, you know, for our audience to get a greater perspective of that, and you were talking about you had been translating um, your, you know, for over 30 years personally, and talk about that from the perspective of why do you feel a person, if they're interpreting from like a relative or their kids is interpreting for them, why do you feel that they can't get the full picture or their story is not completely told? Um, so for a few reasons, number one, let me just uh, make a distinction between interpreting, which is verbal and translation, which is written, right? So I'm an interpreter um, because my education was here in the United States. My written Spanish is not the best. Um, but one of the reasons why I believe that you don't get the fullness of a person's story perspective or experience by using uh, family members is number one, you know, I grew up interpreting for my mom. So there were things that my mom would not say, even if it was important that the person that I was speaking to knew the content um, because she wanted to protect me. Um, and the other side of that is that a lot gets lost when you have people interpreting 
that are not trained, that don't know how to go back and forth. Just because someone speaks another language does not mean that they have the fluidity or the skill to be able to flip from one language to the other automatically and be able to bring all the content and context into um, the other language. Talk about starting your business. What was that aha moment when you knew you were going to be successful? That's a great question, Dr. Richards. I would like to say that I'm still having those aha moments. <laughs> I don't think that I've um, that I've that I've stopped having those moments. I'm still in awe of what has happened. Um, I will say that every time that I hear feedback from a client um, that is that is positive or is just affirming, it um, reminds me of the why, right? Like why I did this, why I started this. Um, and it encourages me to keep moving forward. Um, I don't know that I've had a specific aha, but I've had many, many, many incredible moments. Tell us your why. Why did you start um, Be More Interpreting? I have a huge why, Dr. Richards. Uh, number one, I started it because I grew up on welfare. We came to this country and my mom had no way of taking care of us. It was herself and four kids. And so she raised us on welfare on $510 a month. So I know what it's like not to have enough food or to come home and there not be gas or electricity, you know, heat. Um, I know what that's like. And I didn't want that for my son. And as time has gone on, my why has now expanded to the kids who were like me, you know, who had to miss school or had to leave school early or had to read and say things that were not for kids or had to, are having to grow up faster and quicker because their parents have to navigate a world that is that does not cater to them that does not speak their language and so I open my doors every day because I want those kids to stay kids to be able to stay in school and do what they need to do and then lastly because I want to show them that if I if I did it you know if a girl from the hood who grew up on welfare can build a multi six figure business and you know get her family out of poverty then you can do it too talk about raising capital to start your business i can't ever i can't talk to that i've never raised capital <laughs> i launched my business um, and at the time I was working full time and I was in school full time and I decided I had $25 a month and a, I am going to figure out how to do everything on my own type of attitude. And that's what launched my business. And up until today, we've been, um, profitable every year. Uh-oh, Shirley, you went down to the caller section. Um, we do have a caller. We're going to take the next caller. Okay. Um, do I need to invite you to speak again? Because you can't, I don't know how you got to the bottom. Click that. I have no, oh, yep. Yeah, okay. 
There you go. I have no idea how that happened. That's okay. <laughs> and we want to thank our audience for joining us. And if someone has a question for Shirley X Moore, just let us know. So Shirley, if you lost everything and you had to rebuild in 30 days, what would you do and why? Mm, that's a great question. What would I do? Number one, I would huddle up my family and I would say the next 30 days are going to be brutal, but we're going to get through this. And the next thing I would do is begin to reach out to my um, network. I would go out to find the work. What's available? What do you need? And how do I help you? Would you stay in the same industry or do something completely different? So it's interesting. I kind of teeter between a few industries, Dr. Richards. I have a consulting firm as well. And so um, I think I would do whatever it took. Whatever it took to rebuild, that's what I would do. And whatever open doors I saw, I would walk right through them. And if someone is betting a um, interpreting and translation company, what should they look for? Number one, that they actually answer your calls and your emails. <laughs> as simple as that sounds, it seems like that's a struggle in my industry. And number two, you really want to look for folks who have experience in your industry. So one of the things that um, happens with interpreting and translation is that folks look for languages, but aside from looking for languages, you really want to hear who do you work with now? Are you working with clients who cover my, my, who are in my industry? Are you familiar with the terminology? So for example, if a biochemist comes to, to me, I would tell them, I can't cover that. We don't have anyone that has specialty in that very specific terminology you would have to create a glossary for us to be able to to help you, and so we're not we're not we're not the right uh, company for you. Um, so I think it's having those deep conversations. Don't just assume that because um, the company has the language that you're looking for that you're actually gonna get the service that you need. That your your content is actually gonna be delivered in a different language in the best way possible. Talk about motherhood and managing a business. Oh, great question, Dr. Richards. It, they're basically the same thing. It's interesting. I was having this conversation with my son the other day, and I was saying to him, you know, I manage your life, right? And I think when we see our kids as our assets, as a resource to us and ourselves as a resource to them, it becomes a different kind of relationship. I look for opportunities um, to learn from my son and to engage him in conversation and to just hear his perspective on what is happening all the time. Um, and it's the same thing with business, right? Like you're, you're talking with your clients, you're learning from them, you're finding and, and trying to think of creative ways to deliver your services. Um, and I think you know, I don't see them differently. I think they're both my babies. <laughs> they're both babies that I have birthed. Um, one just costs a lot more pain than the other. Talk about business continuity. What is your highest risk as a business owner? Say, I would say that the highest risk as an, inter an owner of an interpreting and translation firm is 
the we our business is structured with subcontractors right like so we don't have an in-house team of interpreters and translators we subcontract and so there's this level of like trust that you're exercising every time you're engaging a new a new subcontractor um and one of the things that that requires is a high level of like quality assurance and assessments um but to me i feel like that is the highest that's the highest risk because they're basically these folks are interacting with your clients outside of your space you have no control over what they're doing take a snapshot of the last 30 days what was your biggest win um that is a great question there's so in my interpreting and translation firm the biggest win i would say was closing so we have we work a lot with school districts and so we were able to close out the fiscal year with them and it was a strong year um we were very effective and the feedback was very positive um and we were able to sign contracts to start off the new school year strong um so those were wins i think Outside in my consulting firm, one of the things that I did this summer with my husband, it was our first time we partnered together to teach entrepreneurship. I teach entrepreneurship in my consulting firm and we taught entrepreneurship to high school students here in Providence. And so we did a four week training program with them. And in the end, 13 kids, 13 youth walked out with um, skinny business plans and ideas that they could now iterate. I would say that was probably the biggest win. Oh, that's excellent. And how did you celebrate or how do you celebrate your wins? We're foodies. So we found um, a taco, a new taco spot, and we went to go have tacos there. Um, we love we love to explore new restaurants. My husband does this thing where he will drive and he'll say, okay, say a number. And I'll say, I don't know, 12. And he's like, the 12th restaurant, that's where we're stopping to eat. And so that, that's what we did that day. We ended up at a new taco spot. How neat is that? I love that. Yeah, he's always looking for creative ways to like explore. I'm not, I'm very black and white. I'm a very rigid person and he's not. And so he finds ways to pull me into his spontaneity. <laughs> I love that. So the word is play. How did you play today? A couple of ways. Um, I love this. Number one, on the way back from uh, picking up my son from camp, we had a a huge conversation about his game at at camp and his toys and what they were doing. And then... um, I, once we got home, I played by taking a nap on the couch. That is probably my favorite game outside of like anything that's a board game. Taking a nap and just knowing when to rest has become sort of like the funnest thing I do. What have you not done in life that you dream about often that you would like to do? Two things. One is I want to live on the beach. So I am from Puerto Rico. I was born in Puerto Rico um, and I spent my summers there. And so I want to spend a summer 
just living on the beach, not like, like I, you know, I go to Puerto Rico every year. And so I visit the beach, but I want to be on the beach for like six weeks. That is a goal. Um, and then um, the other is I just, I have to visit Alaska at least once in the middle of winter. I have to experience an Alaskan winter. How exciting is that? What is a technology tool or technology platform that is a must-have for you in managing your business day-to-day? Prior to COVID, it would have been the Google Calendar. (laughs) And um, since COVID, we had to pivot really, really quickly um, because we were fully in person visiting all of our clients, the schools, their offices, uh, family homes and everything. And so in COVID, we had to pivot and we ended up um, getting a database called USCED, which was built by an ASL interpreting and translation firm, which manages all of our data. So all of our assignments, all of our clients, all of our service providers, um, all of the billing. I mean, it does everything. Like I know what life was before it and I don't know how we did it before it because this is like the holy grail of my business at this moment. Um, And I would add that Zoom as well. I feel like my business, um, you know, when we pivoted, well, when the world pivoted, right, um, Zoom became everyone's platform of choice for video conferencing. And although we, we, we have dabbled with others, I think Zoom has been the most commonly used. We want to thank our audience for joining us. And if anyone has a question for Shirley X Moore, um, she is the CEO of Be More Interpreting. Let us know. If someone wrote a book about you today, what would the title be? It's so interesting um because i'm writing a book about my life right now and i'm stuck at the title (laughs) and so i would say something along the lines of from rags not to riches but to purpose um from rags to purpose i would say would be the title um or something along the lines of like discovering your purpose and aligning yourself with it um, because that's truly what has happened in my life. Title for you. Say that for me. Become. I have a title for your book. Yes. Give it to me. Becoming more. Mm. You can chew on that one. That is I love that. I love that for several reasons. Number one, my business is called Be More Interpreting. My last name is More. But then also, if you read my book, really since I married my husband um, and we had Jordan, that's truly when my life just went to another level. And I just, it's almost like there was a reason to do things. I didn't have, when we got married, I didn't have degrees. All I had was a high school diploma. I didn't have all these things that I now possess that I got because I wanted a better life for us. I love that. 
You can have it. <laughs> I'll pay you later. <laughs> <laughs> what is working well for you now in business and life? Uh, number one, delegation. I have a business services manager that manages the the days and the day to day operations of be more interpreting and just getting out there. You know, I think for a long time I'm I'm sort of this extroverted introverted person, right? Like I'm an ambivert. Like I can do extroversion. I can be around people. I can be a lot, but I prefer to sort of just be home and relaxing with my husband and my son. Um, and I feel like just seizing every opportunity, an opportunity to share my story, to talk about my business, to help and be an asset or a resource to anyone, just seizing those opportunities has consistently opened doors for me. Um, doors that I never even knew would be opened. Like for example, being on this podcast today, um, I feel so blessed and honored to even be here. And talk about um, how you are motivating um, Latina entrepreneurs. In specific, I started a couple years ago. Well, really, I've been doing it for a long time since I started my business. I've always used my experiences in business to help other folks, right? Whether it's like helping them set up their business or create QuickBooks or setting up whatever, um, just doing that, that administrative stuff. But I think in the last two years, I've really honed in on creating curriculum that empowers black and brown women to take their side hustle or their idea or that thing that they've been using to make that extra money and flip it and turn it into a business in part because I believe that number one in our communities we have to make and sell in order to survive right like my mother she raised us making pasteles that she bought uh, she bought the food that or the groceries with food stamps and then she would make pasteles and we would sell them and that's how we got Christmas presents every year and so just thinking through um, helping folks think through what are the things you already do that we can monetize and build a business out of that's going to help you leave a legacy for your children and your children's children. Um, and so that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years, um, just sharing my story and using my, my I say, using my scars and bruises um, to help folks navigate the entrepreneurial world. What is something that we should know about becoming an entrepreneur that we don't know? It's way easier and more possible than you think. Um, I think that folks paint a picture of the challenges and never really share the successes. And I think one of the things that's great about the the current world is that youtube university exists and we have the opportunity to learn everything that we need um really quickly and so it's become increasingly more easy to navigate this this journey it's not to say that it's not going to be challenging um but there's nothing that's impossible in front of you Shirley, I want you to have a monologue and I want you name, to name this person, living or not, and they've inspired you so much. What are you saying to this person 
and name this person? Whoa, how do you do that without crying? Okay. <laughs> um, this is my grandmother, Abuela Viña. She passed away um, on December 30th of 2019. And I would say, Abuela, we made it. We made it. You struggled your whole life. You didn't know how to read. You didn't know how to write. And you struggled your whole life with dreams of what your kids could do. And this generation, we made it. We have nurses and we have doctors and we have lawyers and we have business owners and all types of successful people. And we're all a product of the work that you did. And so thank you for not just having the faith to pray, but for speaking into destiny what you knew you wanted for your children and what you knew was available to your kids. Thank you for believing in us before we ever existed. Wow, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. Talk to a younger you. What advice would you give to a younger you? Shirley, slow your roll. Slow your roll, Shirley. <laughs> You're going to make it one step at a time. Put money away, save as much money as you can and begin to invest because you're never, ever, ever going to get that money back. So just invest it now and document your greatest moments because you're going to want to remember them. Take the time to be grateful for them. Talk about being a co-pastor, an entrepreneur, a mother, a wife, managing a business, you're wearing a lot of hats. How do you balance? By the grace of God, that's how you balance. I mean, I think, you know, I think I have an, um, a planner that is, it has like five or six different sections and I write everything down. And so I, I, I really, I balance by writing things down. I schedule rest. I schedule family time. I schedule everything that needs to happen. I just write it into the schedule in order to make sure that it happens. Um, and I'm flexible with myself, you know, and my family. I understand that we're building this thing together um, and there's going to be bumps and bruises and there's going to be things that we're not going to know um, how to handle in the moment, but we can do it. I believe now more than ever, it's all available to us. We can achieve anything. And so I would say that creating the systems and sticking to them is how I've managed. And um, how I'm growing is by keeping my family close and involved. What is one valuable lesson you wish you knew before starting your business? Um, I wish I would have known not to pull people in that were not sold out for the business. Um, I had a business partner and 
last year I bought her out of the business because it, it got to a point where I realized that this was my baby and she was never it would it never became her baby as much as I wanted it to be hers. Um and so I would say that that's been the hardest lesson on this journey. Um I, I think that as a person I'm someone that like I want so much for people that I don't realize when I'm pushing my agenda versus letting them live theirs. Let's talk about self-care. We hear that self-care is physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. Which one is speaking to you today and why? Um, I would say spiritual uh, more than anything. I think that on the days when I when I pretend to have it all under my control and in that I'm able to handle it all, that those are the, the hardest days. But the days when I start in prayer and I spend some time with Jesus and I spend some time in my word and just really, truly like surrendering what my day is supposed to be like when I'm, when I take the stress off of Shirley to perform and I put my, my faith in God and, and his, what he could produce, those are my best days. And so for me, self-care um, is really more spiritual than anything else. And I would just venture off to say that I, I, I interpret self-care to be more self-management than anything else. You know, understanding and asking yourself the hard questions. Why am I feeling these, this? What, am, what are these emotions? Why am I being triggered in this moment? Like having that hard conversation with yourself so that you could understand um, what are the space, what, what are the, the things that you still need to pray about? And then what are the things that you still have to learn or overcome? Looking forward, where do you hope um, for your business to be in the next five years? International. At the moment, we're international um, in regards to subcontractors and providers, so interpreters and translators. Um, but um, I want to have international clients. I want us to be serving folks 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, all over the world. And I want to be able to travel places and talk to other interpreters, encourage women to launch interpreting and translation firms and help people reach for the stars. Because I truly do believe that there isn't a pie where if I give you a little bit, then I'm going to get less. I believe that there's more than enough for all of us to eat. And I want to create space for folks to do that. Fill in the blank. Thank you, pandemic, because. Thank you, pandemic, because you quadrupled my business and finally gave me the chance to work from home full time. You've been great to me. I invited you to speak. There you go. 
keep trying to unmute and I'm hitting leave speakers and that's what's causing the problem. Oh, okay. Yeah, that the yeah. button, those buttons are really close together. Mm-hmm. I never realized how big my finger was. <laughs> <laughs> what is the one thing that you do that impacts people's lives? I speak purpose into them. I don't let folks settle for the should have, would have, could have. I speak into the let's do it now and let's get it done and just do it like Nike type of settings and and spaces. And I believe that while we're still breathing, that we're here and we have a purpose and we're assigned to something. And it's our job to not just partner with God, but it's our job to do the self-discovery work necessary to really understand what it is that we're assigned to and get it done. Who are your top two influencers and what lessons do they teach you? Number one, it would be my grandmother. Um, Like I said in my monologue, she didn't read or write, but she just knew. She knew that her kids would be different. She knew that we would do something. And I, I just, I know that I'm living proof of her faith. Um, she taught me that I could believe for something greater and achieve it. And um, I don't want to be cliche and stuff, but Jesus, I mean, he took the ultimate sacrifice. He did the ultimate um, so that I'm able to do what I'm supposed to do. And that right there is like, if I can do the same thing, if I can you know, sacrifice or give or be a resource so that folks can live their best life, then I will do that forever. There are so many brands and businesses that are dominating, Shirley. Talk about a brand or a business that's dominating that you admire and why. That's a great question. I think, you know, for me, I would, I would say it's more like individuals versus like businesses. Um, I love a lot of, well, I, I love Michelle Obama. Right. And I think she's not a business, but she, her elegance and her posture and her ability to navigate challenging spaces is inspirational to me. I also think of, you know, so many, the, there's a, a group of actresses um, that put together the Latina Poderistas movement. Um, and I just see their power and how they're uniting and organizing Latinas to speak up against political um, issues, to speak up for the things that affect us, and to not just be a standby person in this country, which by nature Latinas are. And so I think there are movements versus businesses that I'm very fond of. Um, and then, you know, there's one there's one business that I always speak of, and that's um, our Riveter, and they build um, bags. They make pocketbooks and stuff, and they're um, they're two women who are married to military. They have military spouses, and they built this business because military spouses are not able to um, really have long lasting careers because they're moving around so much, and so every bag is made from pieces 
that were made by military spouses all over the world. And all those pieces are shipped to, um, I believe they're in North Carolina. Um, and the bags are then put together by hand there. And um, for me, that their mission speaks to me because Puerto Rico has more veterans and active military personnel than any state in the United States or any um, um, any island or anything that's associated with the United States. We have the highest um, military personnel, and you know, in specific, two of my brother-in-laws, my dad, my uncle, um, and many other. Um, members of my family are all veterans. And so I admire the work that they do because of what they're giving back to people like those that are in my family. That is awesome. Thanks for sharing that. What is the most costly lesson you have learned in life or business? (laughs) Um, the most co- I I would I would say that it is having a business partner that I didn't pray about before I asked to join the business. That is the most expensive lesson I've ever had to learn. It was expensive in finances. It was emotionally expensive. It was spiritually expensive, and it was mentally expensive. So. Um, yeah, it was expensive on many, many, many levels. Talk about having a business partner. What advice would you give in terms of vetting? Because that's like a marriage. It is like a marriage. It's, it's, it is, it is exactly like a marriage. Um, I think, you know, I think one thing that's super important and I and this is not something that that I ever heard anyone talk about and that's that equity matters, right? So, I went into my partnership and I was like, sure, we'll be 50-50 partners even though it was my idea, my business, it was everything was mine and I was bringing this person onto it, right? And so I think equity matters. And one of the things that I've learned on this journey and through this situation is that a person who is equitable will say, nope, I'm not 50-50 because this is your baby. And so you want to, when you're talking with folks, you don't want to just think like, oh, I see that they have these skills or I see that they have these abilities. That would be an asset onto me. You really want to see how are they responding to this conversation? Are they looking for an equitable partnership? Are they assuming responsibility? And I would venture off to say that, you know, you can test run partnerships, which, you know, I now know about, I didn't know about it back then, but you can test run partnerships where you um, have an agreement for a short term, for a short time, or bring the person on as an employee to see their work ethic, to see their commitment to the company, to see their commitment to the vision, and then decide, you know, how, where the, the relationship goes from there. But don't just jump into partnerships without having a system that speaks to not just your qualities and your needs, but also to the to the needs of the other person. Because, you know, I, I when I talk about this, I, 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 I admit and I take responsibility over the fact that 
I wanted more from my business partner than she was ever willing or ready to give. And that wasn't fair to her. But then also I gave her half the business. And so I felt like, okay, it's time to step up and take on half the business. Right. And so I think that having those conversations as hard as they may be, um, is so important. So you don't miss out on the richness of an equitable partnership where two people are actually partnering to move this, to birth this baby together. Advice you wish you had followed. Hmm. Advice I wish I had followed. I don't, I, I never got advice that I didn't follow, but there were red flags that didn't trigger me that I ignored. And I think that's the part that I think, I think folks in a very interesting way would always around the way make comments about my partnership that I didn't quite sit with. Like it wasn't direct, right? Like it wasn't direct. Oh, there's something wrong here. You really should explore this right now. Um, And so I think it's an interesting sort of, um, I think it's an interesting question because it wasn't direct advice, but there were red flags and comments that should have triggered me to say, I need to have these conversations now and I need to assess where this is going because the way that it is right now is not sustainable. Um, and I just never leaned into that. And, and I will, I will add that I didn't lean into that because I refused to believe I was gaslighting myself, basically. I refused to believe what was happening was actually happening. Um, I I wanted it to be more than what it was. What is your biggest takeaway from our conversation today? What do you want the audience to leave with? That it's never too late. I was 35 years old when I launched my business and when I graduated with my bachelor's degree, I was 35 years old. It's never too late to build the life of your dreams. It only takes a couple of steps to get started. And you can literally change not just your world, but the world of those around you with just one step in the right direction. What can we do right now to support Be More Interpreting? Great question. I mean, you can definitely go follow us on all the social media platforms. We are out there. Um, You can share this podcast with your network. Um, You can share all of the other you know, places that uh, all of the other resources that we provide our blog and stuff on our website, it's be more interpreting.com. Um, and you can always just drop a comment somewhere just saying, Hey, Shirley, I heard this, um, because I feel like 
sometimes an entrepreneur, actually not sometimes, all the time, entrepreneurship is very lonely. And so it's nice to know that there's a community out there that even indirectly I'm reaching. We've come to the part of our interview. It's called Rapid Round of Fun. And before <laughs> I get to the Rapid Round of Fun, I have one more question I have to ask you. Shirley, if you conducted this interview, what is the one question you would have asked yourself? I want you to ask the question and answer it. Shirley, what's your biggest regret? And I will say that my biggest regret is not starting sooner. It, it was allowing fear to keep me from doing what I was called to do. And now we will move into the rapid round of fun. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I want you to give me very quick answers. If there's something you desire not to answer, feel free to say pass. Are you ready for the rapid round of fun? I'm ready. The last movie you saw. Oh my. Um... <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. Um... But I did watch The Ultimatum with my husband until one o'clock in the morning last night. That's a show. <laughs> Your ideal car. A Jeep Wrangler, yellow, uh, rag top, no doors. Your favorite holiday. Thanksgiving. Your first job. I was a bilingual outreach coordinator at a community center in Providence. I was 14 years old. You relax doing what? Napping. <laughs> Your favorite singer or rapper? Oh, man, Selena, St. Selena. Rest in peace, St. Selena. Your favorite dance song? Oh, anything salsa or bachata. I'm very much into Spanish music. What food you eat every week, no matter what? Mmm, tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Work out or hit the couch? Hit the couch. <laughs> Shirley X. Moore, thank you so much for joining us on Black Entrepreneur Experience Podcast. Before we let you go, why don't you share with our audience the best way for them to connect with you and to do business with you and feel free to leave all your social media handles. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a blast. This was an awesome experience. Um, you're amazing, Dr. Richards. And if you want to reach out to me uh, personally, you can reach me at Shirley at BeMoreInterpreting.com. Um, and the business is on social media as Be More Interpreting or Be More Interpreter with no ease in interpreter. Um, and you can visit our website, bemoreinterpreting.com. And we're on TikTok uh, as well. We've been having a lot of fun over the last couple of months on TikTok. So I invite you to go follow us there. And if you're looking to do some business, if you're looking for interpreting and translation uh, support, um, you can reach us at info at bemoreinterpreting.com. I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you, Shirley. That's a wrap. Thank you.
And we want to thank our audience always for joining us and feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Thank you so much. That's a wrap.